What is up, Center Church? Happy Sunday to you! I know, it's Sunday morning, you weren't ready for that, but come prepared from now on. That's all I gotta say to you. I see you, I see you in there, okay? I got my eyes on you. Let's get ready for church today. It is a beautiful day, it is Sunday morning, it is church, it is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to you moms, we love you, we love you, right? We have some cool stuff planned for today, and we are excited to be with you digitally on this wonderful Mother's Day. One of the things I want to tell you about is the fact that we are going to be doing a Mother's Day giveaway. And so here's what I would love for you to do. I'd love for you to comment on Facebook, on our video, why you think your mom is awesome. Can you do that for me? Just tell everyone at Center Church and everyone on Facebook, my mom is awesome because of this. And then we will select one comment, one random comment to send a Target gift card to. Now, uh, it's supposed to be for you to give to your mom, but if you want to use it yourself, just know that we will know who you are and we will tell your mom that we're sending it to you. So, do what you want with it. Just know your mom's going to know. So we hope it send it to your mom. Uh, we're excited about today. We hope that you, um, that we hope that you will follow along with us um, on the YouVersion Bible app. And the reason for that is we, ha- we have notes. Pastor Kelly prepared some notes today for you um, so that you can follow along. So here's what you need to do. You need to grab your phone, right? Grab your phone. And you need to make sure you have the YouVersion Bible app. So if you don't have that right now, pause, time out, right? Uh, Run and grab your phone. Make sure you have the Bible app. And then you can grab it, download it, uh, create an account, and then search for in the events column. So you get a little menu, boop. And you go down to events, Center Church Spokane, and then click on the event, and you can follow along with us as we go through that. So we hope that you'll do that uh, with us today as we go about church. Um, Again, moms, we love you. I can't wait to hear what Pastor Kelly's about to say. Check it out. Hey, good morning, everyone. Glad to see you. Uh, I got to admit, it's a little bit weird for me to be here uh, in front of the camera with just a couple other people here in the room. I really miss being with you and being in the same room. I can't wait to be able to high five you and hug you. Uh, So I'm looking forward to that. But in the meantime, I really am, even though I can't see you, uh, I really am glad that you're you're tuned in uh, because what God's done in our lives is not on pause. So I'm glad that you're here. Uh, In the next few minutes, what I want to do is I want to talk about what I consider to be the key ingredient to moving forward from where we're at right now in times of crisis, the key ingredient to moving forward. Uh, I don't know about you, but I could easily go the rest of my life without ever hearing the phrase unprecedented times again, uh, or the phrase uncharted times. I'd be fine if I never heard that again. And apparently I'm not the only one because uh, our friend Chris posted this online earlier this week and it kind of cracked me up. He said, I'm looking forward to some precedented charted times. Uh, I don't think he's alone. I think we're all just waiting to establish our new normal and looking forward to that. But this isn't the first time that our nation or a nation or even the entire world has faced challenging times. The circumstances are unique, uh, but this isn't the first time that it's ever happened. And as we look to the Bible for answers on how to handle times of crisis, one thing we see throughout the biblically narrative, biblical narrative that is unchanged, it is uh, unequivocal, is that we find that our way forward is only by faith. Faith is the way forward for us. That hasn't changed. The Bible is consistently clear that 
living in cooperation with God's plan for your life is a life of faith, uh, a life of faith in who he is and in his ability to see us through. A key verse for you found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. It's a short one, only eight words. You might be familiar with it. It says, for we live by faith, not by sight. Those of us who follow Christ, we live by faith, not by sight. Now, uh, if you haven't gone online to the Bible app and gotten the notes in front of you, make sure you write this down. This is a saying, a little sticky phrase for you that, uh, that will help you in really difficult times. If you walk by faith, when darkness comes, you won't lose your way. If you walk by faith, when the darkness comes, you won't lose your way. Last week, we talked about Moses, and we talked about his extraordinary leadership that he displayed in a moment of national crisis. If you missed that, you can find it on the website, Center Church Online, uh, or you can download the audio on the podcast. Uh, But I just want to share with you really quickly a story about the original leader of the Jews, of the nation of Israel who came before Moses, the patriarch of all the Jewish people, Abraham. Uh, I want to just encourage you to watch out for one thing as we're going through it. Uh, I'm going to give you the abbreviated version of Abraham's story. But what I want you to watch out for is how God worked through Abraham's faith to fulfill his promises to Abraham. God worked through his faith. He didn't have to. God could have done it without Abraham's participation, but he worked through Abraham's faith. So here we go. Abraham comes on the scene really early in the biblical narrative, Genesis chapter 12. And at this point, the world is a mess. Uh, The world is basically the subject to its own sin, selfishness, greed, and uh, humanity just pursuing every self-serving appetite. It's really, in many ways, not that different from a lot of the things we see in our world here today. God comes to Abraham and he makes him three promises. Now, one thing that's important to know is that at the time God comes to Abraham, he's 75 years old. He's, he's not a, no, a young man. At that time, Uh, His name was Abram. God later changed his name to Abraham, but God makes him these three promises. First, God promises to give him his own land, a land that he and all the future generations of his family would own and call their own forever, that it would always be theirs. He gives them his own land. He promises him his own land. The second promise is he promises to multiply Abraham's descendants into a mighty nation. His family will be vast and far-reaching. The third promise he makes is that he promises that Abraham's descendants will be a blessing to the entire world, to all of humanity. These are significant promises he makes to Abraham. There's just one key problem. Abraham and his wife Sarah, then known as Sarai, they have no children, and they're senior citizens. And they've been senior citizens for quite a while now. How on earth are they going to have this vast family? Uh, This is... This is a life of faith, for sure. Talk about living by faith. So God gives Abraham this instruction. He says, Abram, I want you to go to the land I will show you. Pack up your stuff and just head out. And uh, so what does Abraham do? He goes. Now, I don't know what the conversation between him and Sarah was like. I do know uh, that that would be a tough sell for Brandy. If I try to convince her, hey, we don't know where we're going, but God says, let's pack up and go. Uh, that would be a difficult conversation. But this is what Abraham does. Hebrews eleven eight says, By faith, Abraham obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. 
Wow, that's a lot of faith. So they set off, and eventually they come to a place called Canaan. Uh, This is modern-day Israel. That's where Abraham and Sarah's descendants live to this very day. But it wasn't all easy. They had days, really years, of doubt. Uh, They had a lot of times of not trusting God. Uh, They had a lot of times where they took matters into their own hands. Like, instead of trusting God... They just grabbed the wheel and decided they were going to try to help God out. Like the time they decided, maybe God doesn't want you to have descendants with me, your wife, Sarah. Maybe you should take the servant Hagar and you should start a family. Uh, That created some domestic issues, as you can imagine. Uh, Most of them are still in play today. The descendants of Sarah and Hagar are the Jews and the Muslims still literally warring with each other to this day. Well, after 25 years... When Abraham is 100 years old, and Sarah is young and chipper, at the age of 91, God gives them a son. Sarah gives birth to a son named Isaac, and the name Isaac means laughter. Uh, And if you think about it, it's actually kind of a funny situation. I heard someone joke that maybe they were laughing about the idea of the whole family being in diapers at the same time. Uh, Maybe... (laughs) Uh, yes, there's someone behind the camera losing his mind right now. Uh, you know, under normal circumstances, that joke might be a little over the line, but I've been on lockdown for eight weeks, so, so give me a break. Uh, this is a highly unusual circumstance, for sure. Miraculous, even, really. And as you can imagine, Abraham and Sarah, they, they love Isaac. They love this little miracle baby, their son. But then we come to this crazy, off-the-wall, bizarre part of the story. It's even disturbing, you might say. In Genesis chapter 22, it begins with this statement. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. Do you ever feel like your faith is being tested? Your trust in God is being tested? After all they've been through, after all the waiting after all of the the work raising Isaac to be a teenager now, to where he's at, now they're going to face a test. And I can't even really explain it, so I'll just read it to you. The next verse, it says, Then God said to Abraham, Take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. And then the laughter, as you can imagine, comes to an abrupt halt. Uh, I can only imagine the process in Abraham's mind. Uh, Why would God bring us to this point? Why would he give us the land he promised, promised? And why would he begin the family that he promised? Just for it to come to this. Just to tell me, go up on the mountain and sacrifice Isaac. Nonetheless, a few days later, they head out. And Isaac has obviously done this before. They, they made sacrifices to God. It's, it's not as complicated as it sounds. They're taking something that's of value to them. In their case, that would often have been a lamb. They're taking something that's valuable to them, and they're offering it back to God as a show of worship. Uh, not foreign to them. Isaac obviously has done this before because in verse 7, he says to his father, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Now, from Isaac's point of view, that's a pretty reasonable question. Dad, we brought everything we need, except there's this one key thing that's missing. Maybe you have similar questions in your life, like, the bills are all here, but where's the money to pay for them? Or, 
the kids are all here, but who's going to teach them? The workforce is all here, but where are their jobs? We're all ready to resume a normal life, but when's that going to happen? Well, watch Abraham's response in verse 8. He said to Isaac, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. God himself will provide. And they head up the mountain, and Abraham builds the altar. He's preparing to sacrifice his own son. I can't imagine his thoughts. Maybe he's reminiscing in his mind about Isaac the infant or the life lessons that he taught him along the way. Maybe he's wondering what Sarah is experiencing right now. Maybe he's just angry at God. Maybe he's some, something of all three of those. But whatever's in his mind, he continues in obedience to God's instructions. And here's what happened. Genesis 22, verse 9. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by the horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Watch the last verse. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Now, this is an amazing story of faith, uh, kind of a strange story, and the question might be, well, what does this have to do with me? Why is it significant to me? Well, this event is um, a literary device that we often see in the Old Testament. It's a foreshadowing. On this mountain, God provided a substitutionary sacrifice, the ram, in place of Isaac. On this mountain, God provided exactly what Abraham needed at exactly the time that he needed it. On this mountain, Mount Moriah, which is located right in the heart of modern-day Jerusalem, Jesus rode into the city on what, what we refer to as Palm Sunday, but what they would have referred to as Lamb Selection Day. Jesus rode into town on Palm Sunday, Lamb Selection Day, And John the Baptist refers to Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And God provided exactly what the world needed at the exact time that the world needed it. Jesus would die on the cross, which isn't a question of faith. It's a matter of historical record. But by faith, we believe that he was the sacrifice God required for our sins. By his death, we're made right with God. So now we have this opportunity to live by faith. What was it that Abraham did right? God fulfilled all three of these massive promises to Abraham. So what was it that Abraham did right to make that happen? Galatians 3 till 6 tells us really plainly that Abraham, what Abraham did that pleased God so much wasn't an extraordinary act of discipline. It says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham simply believed God, faith, and then acted, lived accordingly. He lived by faith, not by sight. 
And God provided him exactly what he needed at exactly the time he needed it. Here's the big idea. Through our faith, God has promised to provide what we need when we need it. That's his promise to us. Through our faith, God has promised to provide what we need when we need it. This same opportunity lies before us to this day. So I want to ask you to do something. Would you take a moment with me, right, among all the chaos that's happening in our world right now, and just close your eyes where you're at, and let's just consider our own faith right where we are. Lord, thank you that you have made a promise to provide what we need. And God, today as we're here in um, times that are uncertain, situations that are uncertain, Lord, we just want to renew our faith in you. We all have our faith in something we know, whether we trust in government or science or whatever else. Uh, God, but we, we decide right now that we want to put our faith in you because you alone have withstood the test of time. Uh, you've made good on your promise over and over. And so, God, we thank you for sacrificing your son so that we can have the opportunity to live by faith in you. We pray these things through your son. Amen. Hey, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Stick around for just a couple minutes. Pastor Rick is going to come and share a few announcements with you. Pastor Kelly, thank you for that. Let me just say, you got to have faith, right? You got to have faith. Faith. That was awesome. I'm encouraged. I know that you are encouraged as well. I have a couple of announcements that I must share with you. First of all, one of the things that we really want to do is we want to hear from you. Now, one of the things that I know as an adult man is that everybody loves to have opinions, right? You know that. I know that. Most people even love sharing those opinions. Maybe not Uncle Pat, but everyone else loves to share their opinions. Well, guess what? We want to actually hear your opinion. And you know how you can do that? Is you can go to centerchurchonline.com and on the front page, there's a button that says, take a survey. And in that survey, we ask the question, if you could spend your energy, if you could spend your time changing the world, what would you do? Uh, the question is actually much better than that, but it gives you an idea of what we want to know. And you can click on that. You can take the survey. You can submit it because we want to know what matters to you. So make sure you go to centerchurchonline.com and do that. The next thing I want you to do is if you don't already have the Bible app, which you should, because I mentioned it like three times in the front end of this, uh, but you want to get that, download it, create an account, Okay, And then you want to friend Center Church Spokane on the app. And the reason for that is, is that we are going to continue to do Bible app reading plans together. Uh, the, there's a study that Willow Creek did. I, I can't tell you the exact language, but here's the thing. Your life will not thrive the way that it can in Jesus if you are not reading your Bible. That's just it. It will not be the same quality of life unless you're reading your Bible. And the Bible is meant to be studied in community. And so right now, that's the best way that we know how to do that. And so we want you to join us with that. So get the Bible app, uh, create an account, and make sure you send a friend request to Center Church Spokane so that we can do that together. We love you. We hope you have an awesome Mother's Day. We'll catch you soon.